You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. When you post hunting photos on Instagram, they get censored. When you post on Go Wild, you get virtual fist bumps from fellow hunters. When you buy gear on Amazon, you gas up a billionaire spaceship. When you buy gear on Go Wild, we donate to a camp that teaches kids to hunt, fish, and shoot. See the difference? Go Wild is a free social community built by hunters for hunters. Join today at DownloadGoWild.com, and I'll give you 10 bucks just for setting up your account. And you'll keep unlocking Go Wild rewards as you share content, because guess what? We like hunting pictures. Join at DownloadGoWild.com or in the App Store. Welcome to the Missouri Woods and Water Podcast. With your new host, Micah, Nate, and Andy joining us Do we today. finally fire him from, like, host position? <laughs> this dude is, is now the intro now? man. He's Apparently, the intro. I am the new intro guy. The intro guy? I guess. I, I mean, know. I'll do it, but I, mean, I don't care. Micah bitches about everything I do, so he gets to do it now. That's fine. I'll take that. Did you do it all, or did you get it through it? I'll take that responsibility. Did you get through it? Yeah, did fine. Got it all? Okay. Yeah. Proud of you. <laughs> Okay. Anyways, so on today's show, we have our buddy uh, Blake Garrett on. We're just getting right into it. We got some small talk to do. Okay, what small talk? How's it going? Fine. (laughs) Hey, Andy. What's up? How's it going? It's peachy. See, you small talk for a while, too. Mm. Whatever. You been killing any coyotes lately? Uh, We got one the other day, yeah. Yeah. Have you been hitting it hard or just here and there? Um, That day we hit it hard, but otherwise just here and there. I mean, we just hunted for a day. But otherwise, it's just kind of, I don't know, hey, you got half hour after work or something? <laughs> yeah. Try it here and there. We're just trying. I mean, honestly, right now we're trying some spots we haven't tried before or spots we haven't had any, um, you know, luck in. We're trying it from different angles, different, you know, different setups, seeing what works, what doesn't. Nice. Messing with different calls we haven't called with. Yeah, just seeing what you can bring in. Maybe put call in a cat. Have you tried calling in a cat yet? So I have not yet, but that is on the uh, short-term to-do list. We have go. a few spotted, and you know, since you only get from November fifteenth to January fifteenth to do it, uh, and I've never shot a bobcat. That Same. I mean, I've had. shot at a bobcat. <laughs> I don't know if I, I. I mean, I want to, but if I am successful, I think it's going to bring some more headaches because I really want. Oh. I really want one mounted. Now, what would you do though if I, the bobcat? Let's say you shoot one. And it's ugly. Do you mount it? No. Yeah. No. No, you just, just skin, because you I think just, there's more. You just shoot a pretty skin. one. Yeah. Yeah. You could probably see yeah, skin. It would be. I mean, you don't want it. Yeah. yeah you skin s- it. Still. You'd still skin it, obviously. But you know, make a pelt. You wouldn't. Uh, you know, spend yeah. the because a bobcat mount's got to be a, more sure expensive than a deer. Expensive. Oh, I would. I would assume like a grand. 
Yeah, I would assume. I mean, that, and that's probably low ball. I, I have no idea. I hope, I'd, I'd actually do hope you shoot the Lobcat, and that just is going to come up in your household. Yeah, <laughs> that might be a tough conversation this year. <laughs> yeah, you guys are spending a lot of money on mounts this year. Yeah. <laughs> Y'all yeah, might have yeah. to wait a little bit. Stacy, Stacy's going to uh, get to know him real well. I <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, got some numbers. Oh, yeah. Yeah, let, let's hear what our – Missouri hunters have killed this year. Oh, yeah. yeah, so it's a little late because uh, last week's show that we well, recorded. It's not late. It's still early because well, season's still going. Well, I mean, <laughs> for rifle season, but just because when we recorded last week's show, the numbers hadn't come out yet. I think they came out the day after. Okay. But, yeah, so this year in Missouri, 187, 188,000 basically deer were killed during the November portion. Does it say last year's by chance? Yes, it does. That is about 10,000 more than last year. 10,000 more. Huh. 178-ish last year. Um, the top three counties were Franklin, Texas, and Howell. How, so Texas is just that outlier for me. Because like, Texas is pretty far down south. And that's, I mean, down by like... Uh, I don't even know where that county is at. It's, it's Texas south. County. Um, I'm saying I don't know where <laughs> Texas County is at. It's about down by the current river. Uh, well, oh, at least really? I, I'm I'm probably wrong just because of my um, poor geography. But it's down. I mean, we go floating all the time. I know I remember seeing signs, Texas River, whatever, down by uh, Montauk State Park. I think that's in Texas County, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. I don't know. Let me Google that shit for you. Make sure you're right. I know it's south. I'm posi- 100% positive. I know where like, the general area it is, but I don't know. It just doesn't seem yeah, like... Yeah, Texas County is like... Dead-ass south-central Missouri. Really? Yep. That's surprising to me. Mm-hmm. And, like, the population... I mean, one, it's surprising to me because there's not a ton of people that live in Texas County. At one right. point in time, it was, like, the least populated county, if I'm not mistaken. Um, Franklin County's uh, southwest of St. Louis. Right. And then Howell is... Uh, Howell is the other county, they said. They've just been putting in some work then, I guess. Or southwest. Did I say southeast? Southwest of St. Louis. Yeah. I'm still not seeing Howell County. I'm not mistaken. It's about central, central Missouri. Unless I'm an idiot. I'm sure the listeners are really enjoying this right they now. They are because it's intriguing. whoever lives in that county that's listening to <laughs> us right now is like, dumbass, it's here. Stop telling people we're killing deer. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not finding it. But, yeah, those are the top three counties. But um, 188,000 is not our biggest year. Uh, I think two around 200 was the biggest year we've had in Missouri um, ever. I mean, it's 10 more than last year. So either we've got more hunters out there. I'm sure I'm uh, – I, Do I'm, they, they, I'm, I'm sure they probably don't have – sorry to interrupt. How many tags were sold this year? No, I didn't last say year? it on that article at least that they released. Yeah, I'm pretty sure everybody had an uptick. Like the whole, you know, United States had an uptick on tags actually. Tags sold? Yeah, tags sold. Where the I don't freak know. is Howell I, County? I, I know it did I, oh, shit. last year and Howell the year Co- before. Howell County is straight south of Texas County on the Arkansas border. Oh, no joke. Yeah. I was way off. Down by <laughs> West Plains. Or down, West Plains is in Howell County. Okay. Shit, that, that is surprising to me a little bit. I mean, I'm guessing there's just as many deer down there, though. Yeah. You know, because there's a lot of timber. Good for you, Texas and Howell County. Absolutely. Congrats. Get it. What was the, what was the third one? Franklin. Franklin. Yep. Just southwest of St. Louis. So mm-hmm. those are the top three counties this year, at least in rifle season. Uh, so congrats to them. Yep. Um, it didn't really say much more. I mean, they talked about, like, how many uh, 
should say how bucks many. and antlered. You know, yeah, there right. were 102,000 basically antlered bucks. 17, here's what makes me laugh a little bit, 16,400 button bucks, or, oh, shit, that was a buck. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know what I'm saying? Like, right. Um, actually, did you... I don't you, think anybody's intention is ever to shoot a button buck. Did you hear that story that um, our guy from Go Wild uh, had happen, Brad Luttrell? Uh-uh. So Brad was on our show, you know, a couple months back, or whatever it was. In Kentucky, they get one buck. Mm-hmm. He shot this... Um, what he thought was a doe, it ended up having little freaking, um, like, uh, golf tee spikes coming out of its head. Oh, no. That were covered by its ears. So he didn't know it was a, a buck technically until he picked it up, and that was his buck tag. Oh. He had, to, he had to punch his buck tag on that. So I'm sure a lot of button bucks are like, oh, I thought that was a doe. But yeah. uh, at least in Missouri, you don't have to use your buck tag for that. And then 70,000 does. So anyways... You can go to Missouri Department of Conservation's website if you want to get more information. But sounds like our hunters had a good year. I think it was a good year all around. I mean, seen a lot of deer. Yeah. Oh, shit. <laughs> oh, wait. No, sorry. <laughs> for you. Not yet. Not for me, anyways. That's all right, though. I've seen deer. I just, not the right deer. Right. So. Okay. Now you can transition into today's show and sponsors. Which one you want to do first? This, you're the freaking host, bro. I mean, so does that get? Does I that think mean? today's show is, you know, about like a broken drum. Can't beat it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God. He's back. <laughs> well, I've been having to deal with this crappy joke for a whole while. It's just terrible. Hey, I say a joke in the show. Yeah. So what does everybody we'll see, let we'll everybody see Nate's know? Nate's attempt at the joke. <laughs> yeah. Like, give us some, if you're listening, give some feedback. Nate's joke or Andy's My joke? My joke wasn't a dirt dad joke. Mine was a dirty joke. They're still jokes. So. <laughs> They're really not in the same category. I don't even know if I call yours a joke. The joke of a joke. I mean, is that another joke that you just came up with just now? No, that was just truth. Uh, that's that probably a statement true. or a fact. Same thing. Okay, so you got that out of the way. Good job. All right, so on today's show, we have uh, Blake Garrett. Uh, he's uh, local to Missouri, and uh, he, he gets on and he tells us some different strategies for you know targeting bucks and the what what he does and it's kind of different from a, what a lot of people you know teach out there so it's pretty interesting some pretty cool yeah. some pretty cool stuff i thought uh something to think about uh for you know if you're looking to target deer and uh yeah outside of the box thing we, we've talked to a lot of people on strategies of deer mm-hmm. hunting and this is the first time i've heard it worded the way he's yeah. he's put it and it makes a lot of sense. Uh, I mean, out, like I said, outside the box. Yeah. You know, you're ever talking to somebody and they're explaining some way to do something and you're just sitting there going, huh. That yeah. makes I'll be damned. That does make sense. <laughs> yeah. You know, like. That might just work. I mean, that that's kind of what during the show, every time you would say something about, you know, cold, not coaling bucks, but, you know, managing a farm from a competition standpoint. Mm-hmm. And then what he was talking about with uh the other stuff we talked about you're like huh yeah i could see that working why didn't i think of that you know that sort of stuff but could have brought that to my attention yesterday but uh as for sponsors today we have uh cutty back we just want to thank them and for supporting us and if you guys need 10 percent off you can go there and it is m o w w you're there. Ten? Is it? God, you, <laughs> you want to be the freaking host? Twenty-one. No. M-O- yeah, but now you got to start all over. Oh, shit. M O W W twenty-one. There you yeah. go. 
for 10% off. So, And kind of in the show, I mean, Blake explains how important uh, cell cams can actually be to, to targeting specific bucks. Yeah, and, and just cameras um, in general. Right, right. And and finding those patterns. If he didn't, honestly, I, I mean, if he didn't have cell cams to monitor the conditions, he may never have got on this deer if he hunted them the same way. Yeah. It threw me off for a little while. He kept calling them mobiles. Right. I'm like, what the hell was he talking about? And it hit me. He's saying cell cam, but I've never really heard it said that way. So it threw me yeah. off. <laughs> so, yeah, it's a great show. Um, a lot of information in there. So hope you all enjoy it. Take it out. This is the Missouri Woods and Water Podcast. Podcast. Okay, with us tonight, we got our, our friend Blake Garrett. Blake, how's it going, sir? Good. How are you guys? Doing good, man. It's one of those nights. We've uh, <laughs> we just had one of those evenings where you were trying to put a kid to bed, and um, you got your two kids fighting upstairs. Like I've got my two sons running around <laughs> yelling at fighters. each other. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, they're they're pushing mom and dad's buttons tonight. That's for sure. Yeah, so, they're good at that. Yep, they are. The four year old's actually being good, but then the older two is just they're in rare form. Yeah. So, um, okay. Well, before we get into tonight, to tonight's show, um, why don't you introduce yourself uh, to everybody? Tell us who you are, where you're from, what you do for a living, and then um, since you were born and raised in Missouri as well, why don't you tell everybody what your favorite thing about the Missouri outdoors is? Yeah. So I grew up in a little town called Marshall, uh, kind of smack dab in the middle of uh, Kansas City and Columbia. Honestly, it's about an hour from each, right down seventy. And, um, yeah, man, I, I grew up here, uh, loved hunting, you know, grew up hunting in Missouri. I think the cool thing about Missouri is that it offers kind of great turkey hunting. There's great deer hunting in it. Um, you can, you know, find a lot of mushrooms. There's just stuff you can do all year in Missouri, get after coyotes late season. So it's, it's always kind of nice to grow up here because you kind of, I think, become a little bit more versatile in being able to do uh, kind of everything, you know, throughout the, throughout the year. So yeah. it's definitely right. my favorite part about it. Nice. Um, I think, you know, I grew up in Missouri, like I said, in a small town, um, started kind of filming hunts and stuff like that, kind of when it was becoming big, but really I think like Buckmasters was on TV and that was really it. You know what <laughs> I mean? There wasn't, there wasn't like a bunch of other stuff, just Buckmasters right. really is what I remember, like Jackie Bushman, but, uh, um, started just filming for fun, honestly. And then kind of got in with a show called Campfire Stories on Pursuit Channel did yep. that for about five years and started kind of seeing the business part of it and the marketing part of it. Um, went from that to a show called Full Draw Adventures, which is on uh, Pursuit Channel currently. And I was with uh, Full Draw for about another five years or so. Um, once I was with Full Draw, I started working on marketing stuff pretty heavy and um, really kind of liked that, that aspect of it and uh, started doing content creation. Obviously, you start getting into cinematography and some really high-end photography stuff found a lot of passion in that it just kind of all molded and kind of snowballed into to what it is now which i do content creation now i don't do much with recorded content anymore um everything i do now is like controlled content so we do commercials we'll do magazine ads we'll do social media posts things like that for companies um I can tell you as a business owner for me it's a lot less stressful because if you're relying on killing deer for income right you can it can get painful, <laughs> you know, it can get really and stressful, stressful, right? Yeah. Like you're, yeah, yeah. like you can do everything right. 
and put all of everything into it and the deer just doesn't show up, yeah. you know, and that's the stressful part. So on the created side, it's a lot easier because you can actually, you know, you see your effort come back and, and you can see some, some good projects come out of it. So it's kind of where my business has gone in the last three years, but yeah, man, doing that, um, which allows me to hunt a lot, obviously, cause I can, I can, you know, kind of splice the two and I'm still in the hunting industry. Um, but yeah, that's, that's pretty much the rundown of it doing that. And like anytime you travel, those are travel expenses for the yeah, business absolutely. right yeah, there, there, you know? You <laughs> so, like, you don't even have to try to explain to your wife, hey, I need to go to Kansas, you know, to hunt, or I got to run up to, out yeah. to Nebraska because I got to go work. I got to go work. It's, the, the, it's a write-off. Yeah, it's yeah, right the Shits Creek. Shits Creek uh, it, it's write-off. <laughs> who, who writes it off? I, I don't know. The tax people. It's, it's write-off. It's write-off. Who, who pays for it? Who pays for it? I don't know. I don't know. Nobody. Yeah, exactly right. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, that's that's pretty cool. You want to take over our social media? Yeah, we can use a help. Sure. Oh man, I'll tell you. God bless you for that, because I freaking hate it. Uh, yeah. You know, we try. I try my hardest, but then it's just like, I think I suck at it too. You know, I mean, it's you, yeah. you can you can tell who's got a knack for Content's you know tough. content creation, and you know sometimes yeah. who doesn't. And um, we so that's it's a difficult difficult. You know, it's not as easy as people say, right? Is what I'm. No, I'm getting no. At. I think the biggest thing in this industry, I think the thing is, is being confident and standing out. Like, you have to just not be. I mean, everybody's always going to be disappointed in what you do, no matter what it is. You're going to make somebody mad. Somebody's going to write a comment about it. Somebody's going to be upset. You did it wrong. You did it. You know, you should have done this way. Whatever. Right. Once you once you realize that, like, that doesn't matter. It, it makes it a lot easier. And I think for me, especially coming from TV and stuff, like. I don't watch outdoor television and that blows people's minds. Like, what? You don't watch Harlan Bowhunter. You don't. And I love those guys. Like Mike does a great job. They do great. I'm not discrediting anything they do. Sure. I just, for my business, I have no concern in what they're doing. Like if that makes sense. Like yeah. I look at it as like, I try to I try to be different. I try to do my own right. thing. Right. I'm not trying to mimic. You're not worried about anybody else. Yeah. 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 And, that, and no disrespect by any means in that, in any way. I just, I think for me, it's easier for me as a, a creator to kind of keep my head out of that game. And I, and, and, and we've actually it. talked to a few of the Heartland Bowhunter guys, and they they say the same thing. They're like, we we don't watch hunting shows yeah. and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah. Like, we do our thing, and we do it the best that we can to our ability. So, yeah, I, th- I think that a lot of people feel that way that are in the yeah. industry. Yeah, yeah, those are the successful ones. I think I think that's to be successful, you have to be like that. Yeah. You can't it, be chasing. It's really no different with our podcast you know right. like i listen i drive a lot for work so i listen to a shit ton of podcasts i yeah. almost never listen to music anymore and i find myself you know hey that's cool we should do that and I, then i forget well if we do that then we're just going to be them yeah you right. know we're not going to be <laughs> us <laughs> right. yeah. and you know i think people listen to us because we're us hopefully you know i mean <laughs> or in hopefully. spite in spite of me maybe for you two uh, i think we're up to five people listening right now so seven 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 yeah cool. there's, there's another person <laughs> he's here, so. um but yeah and and the good thing is i you know um you do notice that like you don't realize how much work really goes in when we like when we started this podcast how much work really does go into being in the outdoor industry um oh, yeah. you know there's a there's a lot more to it and of course you know we we're not even in the film side or I mean, obviously we have social media, but that's, we just do it ourselves. Right. So yeah. it's, um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's cool to, to talk to someone who's kind of, I mean, you just kind of, that's, you, you've done nothing else but be in the outdoor world, really? 
your whole life? No, I, mean, I, was, I was like, I went from, so I went to college for a year and a half and then I left that, went to the police academy and I was a uh-huh. cop actually in, uh, in Warrensburg. I was a deputy for four years there. And by, by that time I was kind of doing it like part-time, you know, outdoor mm-hmm. industry, kind of making the transition. And finally I just kind of made the jump and was like, Hey, I'm just going to have to devote a lot of time into this and, and just see kind of where it goes. Gotcha. And yeah, uh, yeah and just kind of followed it from there. I did. I mean, I've worked some stuff, some like Bass Pro and stuff like that, like part-time stuff and yeah. things like that. Kind of getting getting my feet wet. But for the last five years, it's been just straight outdoor content creation. That's so pretty that's cool. Awesome. Yeah, and yeah. of course the the nice the nice side of it is that does allow you, like you said, to hunt more because yeah. you can use that to your advantage, and also then you're able to schedule what you do around hunting a little bit, which is Correct. really really nice. I mean. Uh, all of us still have full-time jobs, so it's a little harder to do that. But um, honestly, I think starting this podcast has helped us get outdoors more than we even were before because it's, you know, excited us Yeah, uh, it, a lot more. I feel like it just keeps that spark going all year long because you know yeah. how you, you, you know, we're obviously in the middle of deer season right now. And then usually you'll taper off and not have to worry about nothing or not even think about hunting that much till spring turkey or whatever, yeah. but the way i feel now it's you got deer coyotes turkey and whatever else we can fit in there and trying to get it done on to the next thing okay well today's show uh we're actually going to talk about targeting specific deer so if anybody follows blake um and we'll let him plug his stuff here at the end of the show um he killed a a awesome missouri buck back on october 29th so it's it's, you know been a month a little over a month at this point but we're going to talk about targeting specific deer because in this case blake targeted that deer um from the beginning of the year so you know at that property i would assume you really only hunted one animal right like yeah uh, unless i guess a 200 inch deer walked out in front of you amazingly i guess no there was actually a 200 inch deer on the farm and i didn't hunt him oh my gosh wow you got you got some control (laughs) Uh, yeah i let my uh sorry i partner on a piece of property with with another guy and i let him hunt him nice mm. and i helped him i mean we helped like after right, i killed that's... him here, went in put a bunch of cameras on him just tried to figure that deer out and we figured him out and he killed him he ended up killing him so. nice nice that's awesome yeah. yeah um okay so maybe i stuck my foot on my mouth on that one <laughs> <laughs> uh, um you were still targeting this specific deer which was still a i mean a, a beast um yeah he's 170 inch, i mean mainframe 10 he's a yeah. Deer. yeah so awesome deer just kind of give the listener kind of the basis of the deer itself. And then we'll talk about how, when the season started, how you kind of targeted him, what things happened, how you had to, you know, switch things up and all that stuff as the season went um, based on what you were seeing. And uh, so so just kind of talk about the deer first and why you targeted him. So that deer as a three-year-old, I picked him up on this farm um, and I'll kind of get into some of our management stuff because it's really out of pocket stuff that a lot of people don't do. And I think a lot of people in Missouri don't, think about management in the aspect because they think they have a small piece of ground and they can't control it because they're neighbors and whatever the case, the feeding thing with the Missouri's baiting law is so weird, but we've, we kind of use it all to our advantage. And I'll just start back in two years ago, he was a three-year-old, nice 10 pointer, nothing special, probably 130 inch three-year-old 10 pointer. Mm-hmm. Um, our goal in management in Missouri, Missouri's like notorious, at least where we live is that it's notorious for growing eight pointers, mm-hmm. like big eight pointers, 130, 140, 150 inch eight pointers. That's like a four or five year old deer. That's just normal. So we tried to really, what we do is like, we call it selective culling. We don't shoot any does off the farm at all. 
um, we'll go in and we'll allow the harvest of any eight pointer from three years old and up. Right. Um, and every deer that gets to five is on the hit list. Right. So you really just try to pave the way. If you think of it like high school, you've got your freshmen, sophomores, which would be your three-year-olds and you've got your, you know, juniors, that would be your four-year-olds and your seniors are your five-year-olds Well, you want your best year to make it to senior year, right. Not have any competition. So you're trying to kill out from that age group, say sophomores, I want all my sophomores to be young, good 10 pointers and not have to compete with any eights that are their age or older. Cause I have a lot better chance of them staying on my farm if they don't have competition there. Right. Right. So that's really where the goal was. And he was kind of a prodigy of it. I mean, I've had that farm for five years now and this was three years ago. And, and so great 10 pointer. I was like, okay, we're going to really just hammer eight pointers out of here. So I had buddies come from out of state. I had, people come in to hunt. I had, I mean, I'd literally got everybody I could get in there to shoot eight pointers that were the, his age or older. So we really paved the way to where he was the man, I guess, for his age class. And every other deer was younger than him. There was a couple older deer that were on the farm. We ended up killing them those years he was growing. Right. Mm-hmm. So yeah. like last year, we called him a little left because he had a little brow tine. He had a little G4, but um, other than that, he was really, really symmetrical. And I say little, you could just tell a difference in it. Um, he went into his four-year-old year and my buddy from Tennessee had passed him. And like, that was the biggest deer he'd ever seen in his life when that deer was a three-year-old. And I was like, dude, I promise you, if you pass him, I'll let you have a shot at him at four. Just one shot, you know, whatever. I'm not going to kill him at four, but I'll let you have a shot at him. Well, as a four-year-old, he grew a big club on his left side. He literally turned into really little left because he had a giant 72-inch 10 point side and then his left side was like a club hmm. and i don't know there's speculation of what happened to him i don't know i, I think maybe he got ehd but and survived it i don't know because he had lost a hoof too one of his hosts was gone oh the really oh, yeah. that's usually pretty common of an ehd survivor yep. Yep. um it was real real small weight i was kind of worried about him but anyway he uh he made it came through my buddy came in from tennessee first i passed him four days in a row before my buddy got there i was like hey i know where he is we'll go in there we'll probably see him it's the rut he's probably going to come through you know going to be a done deal um, yeah so he does perfect everything's right deer comes down trail 40 yards buddy stops him shoots and literally hit a inch probably inch and a half sapling that was directly in front of the deer probably a foot like he oh. would have tendered it and i actually put that video on it's on my instagram it's on TikTok too, but it's, I mean, perfect arrow flight going right for the deer and sticks and literally shish kebabs this, this limb. Oh my mm. gosh. I'm telling you, the limb was, the, the, the tree is no bigger than a golf ball. And he I think I might have seen that video. Was it on... the, is it that one, is it a tree or is it like a vine looking thing? It looks like a vine, but it's a tree. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I've seen that video before. Yeah. And it's like real low, like this. So that's yeah. the left. So he hit that limb. <laughs> and I, did, I was like, that was your chance, man. I'm sorry. <laughs> I didn't lie to you. Gave you, I didn't lie. Uh, you shot if he's, not your, if he's not your deer, he's not your deer. So I was like, sorry, bud. We're not going to kill him this year anymore. So then we, you know, then we're just kind of walking him, not really bumping in on the farm. The farm's kind of a cool farm. It's a 500 acre farm. It's got 200 acres of timber right in the middle of it, in the heart of it, and one chunk, which is rare for where I hunt. That's a lot of timber. So we really don't mess around with the inside of there at all. So we really thought he had a good chance of living. So left him alone. My wife has never killed a deer in her life. And I convinced her to go deer hunting last year during rifle and she passed him. 
She didn't shoot him. I told her she could. I gave her green light. She's like, now, no. hold on. Did she didn't shoot him because she was waiting for something bigger, or was she secretly just like my wife would have been and like I don't want to kill a deer, so I'm just gonna say I pass on him. <laughs> that's probably what it is. Well, she always says she never goes deer hunting because she doesn't want to mess with what I do. She's like, that's your business. I'm going to get in the middle of it. You know what I mean? Right. And she so she knew we had, she knew the whole story with this deer, and she was like, I'm not going to shoot him. You said you wanted him, you know to go another year. I'm not going to shoot him. I'm like, okay, that's fine. So. Deer goes on, he lives. Well, I picked up his shed in shed season on a pilot because we feed a lot too. So we feed um, anytime we're not hunting, obviously there's a ton of, we use big time and, and feed a ton of big time. All winter I'll feed big time and alfalfa bales. Mm-hmm. Um, really try to help our deer get back to weight. And he, I did that with him and he dropped his horn. His big side is all I got from last year, but he dropped his 72 inch side at the pile. So it's literally laying, I pull up and there it is laying there. I'm like, Oh, this mm, is perfect. You it's know? an easy shed hunt right there. Yeah. Yeah. So at that point, when I picked up that horn, I called my buddy that I partner on the ground with, I said, I'm going to kill the left next year. I don't care if he has a spike. I don't care what he throws. I'm going to kill him. Cause just because we had so much history at that point. And that's to me, what I take away from hunting and gives a value to a buck is, is history. Uh, is a story I, I just really like that part about it so yeah I, agree. I was like that's my deer next year i don't care what happens whatever so fast forward to the summer pretty much same stuff he summers in the same part of the farm like he always does feeds up looks great he's like comes back to his i mean he's almost a, a mirror of his three-year-old rack this year but he uh obviously is a lot bigger he's 170 mm-hmm. inches um looks great but he's he's kind of timid it's kind of weird but he's not really like running the farm like he should um Must have got no, I told ass, you. ass beats at some point or something yeah <laughs> yeah something's up because he's just not normal <laughs> oh yeah and, yes hence the 200 well, inch that blew up. i want to circle so. back around real quick before you keep going back to yeah. your management plan because it really actually when you were talking about culling some of the three you know the, the freshmen and sophomores in high school you're kind of looking at it from a competition standpoint then like your Absolutely. management plan is more like how can we limit the competition for the ones that we hope make it to five years old. And when you said that, that, I mean, it does make a lot of sense because we had a deer on a farm that uh, I hunt with one of my other brother-in-laws that uh, four years ago, there was this eight pointer who was a decent eight, probably 130 inches, you know, a good deer. He was just a giant dickhead and mm-hmm. ran that entire place. And there were bigger deer that kind of moved off after the season started once they started getting testosterone running through their bodies and things like that. And I think it was because of him. And, you know, if he wasn't around, a lot of things could have changed. So that makes sense. I've never really thought of managing a farm from a competition standpoint more for, you know, than any other reason. But yeah, no, it's, I'm telling you, it's, it's, I've done it on probably eight different properties now in Missouri. And I got the idea from my buddies in Kansas. My buddies in Kansas do the same thing. They, if you kill the oldest deer on your farm every year, you'll always have a big deer to hunt is what they told me. They're like telling you, you have to stop hunting horns and start hunting age and you will grow giants, but you have to be able to do it. And it, we started doing it and it honestly works. Like it works really good. Like you just have to, you think about it, even if a deer, you know, if he's a, if, if it's a 130 inch eight pointer and he's a 160 inch 10 pointer, but he's a year younger, that eight pointer has kicked his butt his entire life. That's mm-hmm. all he knows. He doesn't know he can beat that deer because right. that deer's always a year older and always has, I mean, he was a spike when this deer was a two year old, you know what I mean? Like yeah. he's just always beat that deer. So he's never going to try him. 
and you have to think about it like the reason you lose a lot of deer bucks wise i think is because of competition they want to go be the man somewhere and the older the reason there's not a bunch of five-year-olds on a farm is because when they get the four and five their job is to go be the man somewhere. there's only one king of the farm yeah yeah Yeah, they're gonna want to go be that guy so really what we try to do is start back at three and try to pave the way to give that guy the throne and it worked perfectly for the left you know what i mean right does that kind of rain true even though when the rut kicks off and deer are running like crazy i mean are you still having new deer come in that you've never seen all season yeah or oh, yeah. they stay out because there's a king you know the ruler of the roost in there no so so when you talk about dominance and territorial areas for us really we see that impacted from hardhorn to about halloween that's when those big deer will run that area. That's what scrapes all about. They'll push deer out of there. They'll yeah. do all that. When the rut comes on, usually your big deer is so occupied that he can't deal with territorial disputes. He will if he runs into them, but nine times out of ten, he's a big deer. He knows what his job is, and he's going to spend all of his energy doing what he's supposed to do, which is breed. Yeah. So he's not going to be running. That's why scrapes go dead. Mm-hmm. Right. right. He's right. not worried about what other bucks are where he knows where he's going to go. And if he walks up on that buck with the doe, he's going to take her. And it's just is what it is. So you do see an influx of deer through the peak of the rut, you know, but not to a point to where um, I can say like, oh, he's going to, you know, my big deer is going to keep all the deer out of here for the rut. Like, no, he's not. It's, he's way too preoccupied. Well, it, be other things. it's interesting the way you put that, because the property where that I killed my big deer off of this year that I was after during the summer, it was him and another one mm-hmm. that that sometimes were together. Obviously, when right. they were in velvet, yeah. um, not very often actually. I think maybe twice I got pictures of them together. But anyways, when they went hard horned, the one I actually ended up killing was gone. I mean, just gone. And yep. the the one that I hunted for until October, uh, mid uh, first week of October, was there pretty regularly. Um, and then he kind of moved off, and then the one I ended up killing was back. And it was almost yeah. like they just switched spots. I don't know what reason there was behind it. I think they're the same age. They were about the yeah. same size as far as the rat goes. I The one that was there earlier is probably a little bit bigger, wouldn't you say, Andy? Yeah. I, but the crazy thing is that he never came back. He still hasn't been back, no. Um, he disappeared from October on and has never set foot back on that farm. And, yeah. I mean, it's possible that he could have got shot or, it is. you know, yeah. hit by yeah. a car or something like that, I'm sure. But, yeah. yeah. But, you know, it is it is interesting that once that, that, that testosterone started running through him, I, they were never there in the same time frames. And I'm not talking right. about, you know, days apart. It was like literally Reptile, which is the one I was hunting early, um, his nickname, he was there only, and it was every day I'd have pictures of him, and, you know, I, I was trying my damnedest to get him dead. And then October 7th, it was like, all right, I, I'm going to go somewhere else now. I, I feel like I need to leave. And right. October 10th, noob, boom, there he is. And then he was on the farm pretty well until I killed him a month later. So, yeah, um, obviously there were other smaller bucks out there, but it is, it's weird how those two deer switched and also weren't together after the the velvet came off. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, the pecking order is a real thing. It's it's what, yeah. you know, I think you're never going to change genetics. So I hate using the word culling. That's why we always say like selective harvest because genetics have been around way longer than we have. Like 
to get your eight point genetics out, you're going to have to shoot every eight pointer for 20 years. <laughs> right. And you, you know have to I mean? kill a bunch of does too. And does that you don't even know what does carrying that genetic. Right. right? right. It's, yeah. it's just an oddball thing of it. You know what I mean? So you just got to look at it as try to keep your tens alive as you know, and as, as less competition as you can. Mm-hmm through their lifespan and you keep them on the farm hopefully you know so that's the do you have any theory as to why stuff like what i just talked about happens where one deer will seem like he's running the roost and then just say you know what i'm out um is it because he's got a rut range that might you know they talk about rut ranges as summon ranges yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. you know what what do you, i mean do you have an opinion on why that happens and that switch happens yeah i think there's a lot of factors to it i mean i think you know you talk about deer like people right so you got different personalities you're dealing with there's deer that don't handle pressure very well at all Mm -hmm. there's deer that handle pressure and deal with it you know it could be a pressure issue maybe not saying you put a lot of pressure on the farm but just a little bit of pressure on the farm i did (laughs) just a small amount of pressure on the farm maybe that one deer wouldn't tolerate it and the other one would I mean, you have to think about it. You can't ever – anybody that tells you this is how you kill a big buck's full shit. Um, <laughs> it, they're all different, and you just got to try to figure out their personalities and their ticks. Usually the big ones have a tick that they like that just keeps them alive. It's not that they're smarter. It's just that maybe they don't want to move in daylight as much as other deer. Maybe they don't like to move as far. Typically I've found that when we run into a big deer, and I say like a big, like an 80s-plus deer, he's usually – either really, really compact and not moving far at all. And he stays in one area Yeah. or he roams like crazy and nobody can ever get him fixed. No out. consistency. Yeah, he's yeah. just a runner. Yeah. yeah. He's just a runner. So it, those are really the two, I will say personalities that keep them alive the longest. And that's what makes them big deer. Yeah. Um, there's again, there's similarities, obviously that deer do for survival that, you know, daylight movements, things, things like that, that every deer is going to do. But, realistically if man if you're going to hunt a specific deer like you got to watch him you got to figure out what he's going to tolerate with you going in there running cameras like that's why feeding to us is so good because we feed i mean i feed i'll feed up until like september 1st and even when i'm not going to hunt a farm like if i've got a farm i don't even have a shooter on i'll feed that farm till november I mean, I, right. but if it's a farm i am hunting i'll shut it off in september september 1st sure and then i'll start right back up january 15th yeah so but those things allow me to have my presence on the farm be a positive influence. And I kind of get to see how those deer react. If I got a buck who will daylight every time I go in there, then he's not worried about pressure. Now I have some bucks that freak out on a trail camera and it goes off and they turn inside out and you don't see them again. Yeah. So it's just kind of noticing that stuff when you start trying to figure out one deer, like you got to kind of learn his personalities and his ticks. And a lot of times if it's a deer that's been on the farm a long time and you've had the farm for a long time. Yeah he probably knows your game. Like he knows where your stands are. He knows how you hunt it. So you got to kind of think out of the box. Like, okay, how's this deer survived for three years? I've been trying to kill him. I haven't even seen him on the hoof, yeah. but I'm getting daytime pictures of him. He's doing something different that I'm not used to, or I'm, you know, he knows the game. Yeah. Well, and so then of really course it get... probably has a lot to do with the property itself as well. Right. I mean, <laughs> yeah. you know, yeah. every property is different too. And Absolutely. you know, what was weird about the one that you're kind of giving me some advice about is, I don't know that we knew that deer before this year. Andy and I yeah. were trying to like, uh, Andy knows this property well too. So we were like, do you think it's J- Johnny Cage or do you think yeah. it's this deer? And I'm like, I don't think it's any of them. If it was a previous deer, he blew up he, like he 50 freaking, inches. Yeah, like, like he changed nuts. big time. Yeah. And so we're yeah. sitting there like, okay, we'll just say he was between 160 and 170 inches 
by our guesstimate based on photos. And then, then season hit and the dude started daylighting like two hours before dark and would take the exact same path every night. And I'm like, I'm going to kill this freaking thing. Like as long as I can get there and damned if I couldn't, you know, I just couldn't get there the same nights he would daylight on me. And, and then the next night my daughter would be in a volleyball game and I'd be sitting at the game and get a picture and boom, there he is. Yeah. And, uh, but then October 7th, he just was like a ghost. So a deer like that, do you think he could maybe be one that is just, uh, one of those roamers, you know, I mean, you know, that last year was somewhere else this year, he decided to be there and maybe next year he's going to be four miles from there. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. He could be. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. And you got to look back at like what you killed too. What'd you kill off the farm last year? Is there anything you opened up for him to come over to the farm? Is there any, you know what I'm saying? Or did a deer die? Did a deer get shot by the neighbor or, Mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying? There's a lot of things in those factors too. When you talk about there's, there's, it's like coyotes. There's a trick about coyotes too. And it's when you get a really, like, say you got a dead hole at a livestock auction or whatever, a dead hole at a corral and at a feedlot. And if you shoot the pack that's on that dead hole, um, new packs on show. Another one will come in there. It's a sought after place, and deer do the same thing. Bucks do the same thing, especially like our farms. That's why we say we don't we don't shoot any does off the farms, um, because we want it to be kind of a, a sanctuary. We want it to be a place where I'm picking up new bucks, and after those bucks breed the does on their farms, here they come to my farm because I still got does that aren't bred yet. Yeah, you know, so we're picking them up. And the downfall of that is that your bucks are really hard to kill in the peak of the rut. Like in rifle, it's really tough to kill our big deer in rifle, but that's what I want. I want them at home. I don't want them out <laughs> on my shot. neighbor. Yeah. yeah. I don't care if I can't kill them. I just want them to live at that point. <laughs> so, right yeah. you know, if they're on my farms locked down, that's fine. I don't care. I, I don't want them on my neighbor's farm looking for does. So that's kind of the ideology behind does and, and keeping does alive and, I've yet to talk to anyone or have any debate with anyone to give me a good reason why does should be shot. That's what oh, I've always oh. said, right? Where there's hoes, there's bros. I, I don't think you said that. <laughs> I, I, I mean, isn't it true though? Like what, you know, where, where there's the ladies. Other than food, there's really no other thing with it. And we, I, I dump enough supplemental feed and do enough with, with food plots and stuff with, and crops on the farm that we've never had deer even you know close to starving yeah that's that's a really interesting way to look at it is from a competition standpoint i mean yeah, yeah I, it makes a I, lot of sense i've honestly i've never even thought of it in that manner i mean you talk about oh that deer's a dickhead you know or whatever right. but never look at it from you know you remove the the younger ones and keep a few of the older ones going eventually that older one's going to be five and he's going to run it all i mean they're always yeah, competing for food competing for females competing for i mean territory i mean yeah. so it makes sense yeah um all right so circling back around a little left we we went off yeah. way to the left and that was my fault honestly <laughs> but um so he wasn't doing the same things that you thought he was he was a little more timid and all that that sort of stuff uh that's kind of where yeah. i interrupted you yeah, yeah yeah so i went in and you know i, I set up everything for how he was as a four-year-old in the rut like stands, everything, cameras, bring cameras on all the scrapes. Um, and I just wasn't getting him. I had like nine mobiles on nine scrapes on that edge where he was living and didn't get one picture of him. Hmm. Um, so I was like, well, what the heck? So I had a camera that I keep on a mineral lick 
that I've got there in a staging area. And every time like, I would drive in there and I'm like, I remember one day I drove in on like a Monday and I hung a double set for a different wind so I could hunt this funnel he always uses in the rut. And every time I go to the farm, I do something positive for the deer, like we talked about before. So like if they hear, I, I'm kind of OCD with it. Like I'll drive my side by side in. I won't take my truck side by side every time, drive it the same way to check cameras, the same thing. Like it's all the same. It's like and training cattle to come side by side in. Truck. Yeah. Drove side by side in. And I was like, well, I, I hung that stand. And I was like, well, crap, I'm on the farm. I better go dump a little bit of mineral. So I always take and just dump, I mean, literally like a cup full of mineral out just a little bit of something new drive out. He hits my mobile camera, daylights it. I'm like, Oh my God. So the next day I go in and hunt him on that mineral lick, but I sneak in, don't drive in or anything. He doesn't show up I'm like, okay. So I do it again. The next day I had his next the wind on Wednesday when any stood me up again. I'm like, where is this deer at? So Thursday I was like, well, screw it. I'm just going to go in. I got to put a blind up and another mobile on the North end and see if I can catch him up there. Maybe he's coming from the North put the blind in. Well, when I drove through, I put a little bit of mineral out, drove on by, went, put the blind up, came back out. He daylighted on it. And I'm like, <laughs> dude, train, okay. train him to the side by side. Yeah. So I'm I like, am literally going to go hunting with a cup of mineral in my hand and just start shaking it as I'm, <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I'm like, I'm going to literally try to rope and dope this deer. Like, <laughs> I was like, I'm going to try it. I, why not? Absolutely. You know? so I had my 14 year old was here and I was like, man, I need you to film for me tonight. And he's like, okay. So, I drive in the side-by-side. Side. I dump an entire bag of nitro mineral, like a, an eight-pound bag. Dump the whole thing in the mineral in the lake, and I'm, like, shaking the bag and stuff, just making all the noise <laughs> normal. Back out. I put my 14-year-old in the bun, drive out, drive around, and then I come back in. And that was at, like, 2 o'clock in the afternoon. And 5.30, man, here he comes. Like, he had to be bedded within 100 yards of that mineral lick when we were there and didn't care and 5 30 he just shows up comes straight to that mineral lick he thought I, this dummy shit. brought me something I, to I eat i was actually <laughs> joking when i said you know shake the cup you know to make it but no, it's dude, almost it like kind of what it was it legitimately works like i'm telling you you can condition deer like cattle if yeah. you if you're just kind of ocd with it and let them think they have you figured out don't surprise them dude it, it can work like it's unbelievable but it can and that's 100 percent what happened to him but um come to find out what was wrong with him is he had got gored i think he got hung up honestly but his mouth and you'll see it in one of the pictures his whole his whole right side of his mouth was worn all the way to the jawbone um hmm. where it had an antler in it Ooh. and it was worn all the way all the hair was gone all the way to the jawbone and then the other side had a giant puncture that went in his lip and went up to his like nasal cavity so he got punctured in the mouth, um, which is why he was being timid and wasn't hitting scrapes and wasn't, you know, he was just, I think he was honestly pretty sick. I mean, he, he, uh, he's probably just trying to survive, I would think. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that's, he was, I think he was hoping that I was going to dump feed, <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Cause he, right. His like, a mouth injury like that. I, you know, I don't know how much he could eat and he well, was hitting mineral crazy. But. That's probably why I was hitting the mineral because he was craving, yeah. anything, craving yeah, anything at that point, you know? Get, yeah. Cause his weight, I mean, he was at his, he was at his summer weight. He wasn't skinny. He was at his summer weight, but he wasn't at like what a, what a rut weight should be. You know what I mean? Yeah. He was, he was not up. even close to what his rut weight should be. So, um, overall, uh, you know, uh, it worked. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I, I can't really, uh, I can't really complain, but, uh, kind of interesting. I, and I would assume, you know, the 200 inch year that we had on the farm, I would assume that he was probably the one who did it. 
he had a big spade that came off the front, um, like a double beam, mm-hmm. kind of hooked up in front of his face. Oh, and, okay. and they kind of that that buck, you know, I talked about. I had like 200 acres of timber. He would he would run the bottom part of it, um, but he wasn't. He was all the way on the west side of it whenever I killed little left was. So I'd say that 200 kind of pushed him out. They probably ran into each other in that middle part of the farm where they circle. And, uh, I, I'd say he probably got short into the deal in the fight, but. had himself a little fight and lost it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But yeah, man, it was, you know, it's just about being observant and trying to kind of think on your feet and never think you got him figured out. Just try to try new things and mobile cameras are worth their weight in gold. If you <laughs> yep. know the word. I mean, up to date data is unbelievably, Unbelievably, unbelievably nice. This is our, well, I mean, me and Micah's first year with cell cams. Andy's like second, really, or third with cell cams. Probably third. Four. Actually, I've had my, I've had that one. I used to yeah run an old one for a while. Oh, really? But I'm going to tell you this. I don't use them like I should. Super, super helpful. You are correct. Yeah. And also super, super freaking aggravating. Absolutely. <laughs> Frustrating as yes. all get because yeah. like we were talking about this, yeah. Micah had a deer that he was after, and like he couldn't hunt one night because him and my sister—he's married to my sister—they had a disagreement about who was taking the kids or something. And so yeah. last second, he's like, "Oh shit, I could have went hunting, but it's already five o'clock. I'm not going to go traipsing in there, you know, right now. It's not not doing it." Yeah. Five forty-five, the deer he was after shows up in front of his camera. Yeah, and right it, on- it gives you that real time like. Damn it. Should have been <laughs> out there. Right. You know, if you were just checking like a regular trail cam three weeks later, you would have never remembered that night happened that no, exact no. night, you know? <laughs> and so it, it sometimes can be aggravating. I mean, the same thing with my deer. Andy had it happen where he's like, man, I should have done it tonight, you know? Um, or you're sitting in one stand and he's in front of another. Right, that yeah. sort of stuff. Yeah. But, the, once. but yeah. what I love about it is the – the real time information like you were talking about with him that it does give you um yeah. whether it's whether it's exactly at the moment it happens or not right. when you get that photo you are still in that day or in that that time frame that you can look back and go this morning it was 50 degrees with a south wind right instead he was of moving this way and right. kind of put little pieces together yeah yeah, because one thing I learned out, you know, from hunting out west so much is that deer have uh, deer never bed in the same spot, really. I mean, they do sometimes, but not really. But they have spots they want to go bed with specific winds. Mm-hmm. So if you can, you know, in the old days, I say old days, but when with regular trail cameras, it's really hard to know what your winds are, what your winds were for that morning when you went to bed. You know, all that stuff's tough. With a mobile, it's really nice because like little left was one of them that he would, anytime he had a North wind, he, I knew he bedded really close to that mineral lake Cause he always daylight is on a North wind. I mean like five thirty, six o'clock, like broad daylight. Mm-hmm. So I knew with a North wind, he liked the bed somewhere around there really close. Um, and those deer choose that, but you had to, you know, if he had a South wind in the morning, he'd be there, but it may be 10 minutes after dark. It'd be right at dark. You know what I'm saying? So he would bed a little bit farther away. So Mobiles are kind of a nice thing to where you can really watch what your morning wind is to where he went to bed and then see what he did that evening. Yeah. Um, that's kind of a piece of the puzzle we run through a lot too because the big deer just know. They've been around the game. They know where the best bedding is, and they usually get those spots. They'll yeah. kick somebody out of them if they need to. But um, mm-hmm. in Nebraska, I mean, heck, I've watched it 
with mule deer and whitetails where you'll see deer come in and it's like a race to this specific bed that they all <laughs> use for that wind, you know, and the big deer will come in and literally kick deer out of it so he can go lay down in that spot. But that's what kind of taught me that whole thing years ago. Yeah. And it, it it's true. It's just tough to heck. There were years I'd write down the wind every day. I'd like wake up and write down what the wind is. So then I could go back and look at my card in two weeks and tell <laughs> what the, you know what I mean? And like, that's, that's how you'd have to do it that way. Absolutely yeah. is. Yeah. But absolutely. You, when you're, when you're getting that information at least 24 hours or 12 hours from when it happened, you can use yep. your short term memory yep. to go, I know what it was this morning. Yep. And then it's like your Rolodex is, is just kind of fresh. Um, and yeah. it's, that, that's a new thing for me and Micah this year. While I s- still think it overall is a great thing, yeah, there's times where you're just like, screw it, I hate this. <laughs> you know? yeah. but, uh, and you were talking about, you know, what he did when he was four and a half. You set up to hunt him that way Absolutely. initially. Yeah. yeah. And I think, and I'm probably one of them, a lot of us would continue to beat our head against the wall just assuming right. it's going to work. Right. What do you think would have happened if you would have continued down that path of, I'm going to hunt him like I know he is? Um, do you think you had him on the ground at all? Any chance? No, no way. No chance. I would have never killed him, ever. Yeah. There's absolutely no chance. He just wasn't doing that stuff. He wasn't, you know, I, I told it's funny, I called a buddy of mine. I'm like, how do you kill a deer in the rut that's not rutting? Like, you have to literally take your brain out of everything that it tells you to do. Yeah. Like scrapes and rubs and funnels and day, all day sits. And like, you have to take it, you have to just shut it completely off and be like, I've just got to pay attention to what I'm seeing, what he's doing and just react to it. You know, like, like we did and it just got lucky and did it. But yeah, it was absolutely the weirdest thing I've ever had to accomplish. And one of the hardest things I've ever done as a hunter when I've, you know, I always pattern after one deer, I try to kill one deer a year, but that was one of the biggest tests of it. Cause I was like, you know, that's yeah. why I was like, well, try to rope and dope him. Why not? Yeah. <laughs> what, what else? I was throwing darts at the board, essentially. It's like yeah. a, it's like the backwards bump and dump, right? right. Like, <laughs> like you, you want them to hear you. It's kind of like yeah. the bump and dump, right? Yeah. yeah. But they're just going to, you don't want, you know, they're bedded somewhere close enough that they're like hearing what you're doing so that you hope they show up for that. It was, you know, it's, I would have never thought when I go dump mineral he shows up that that those two things had any correlation either. Like I'd have just been like, Oh, look, he's on the freaking mineral tonight or something. Do you think he was like on the downwind side of that mineral and could smell new mineral or what was, or could, did he hear the side by side and start correlating it with new mineral? He heard it. Yeah. 100% heard it. Cause when he came into it, he wasn't even, he didn't even run the wind on it. It was a, it was a Northwest wind. He came straight in from the East. Yeah. I mean, straight east from it. But I think he just bedded right. I mean, I think he was close. To get up at 5.30, that's an hour before sunset that right. time of the year. Yeah. I mean, I think he literally I think he literally just heard the side-by-side. He knew every time that side-by-side he heard that, there was something new at that lake. You know, and he knew that for three years or two years, three years. Well, you know what I mean? So his whole life, he, he kind of had noticed that. And that's what I talk about with it. Like, you build that ideology. I build that now in my yearlings. My yearlings come, my, you know, my yearlings always pay attention to what their does do or their mama does. Well, their mom's coming in, she hears the side by side, where's she going? She's right. daylighting on it. You know, she's, so you kind of start building that whole foundation from, we've known it for five years now. And it takes a little bit to build that dynamic or that perception, whatever you want to call it. Um, but once you get it built, like they're just trained that way to where they don't see it as a threat. You hmm. know what I mean? There's nothing bad that comes out of it. Right. So that's a hell of an idea. So 
you're you're training your deer pretty much right kind of <laughs> trying to condi- I, I condition condition or whatever <laughs> so yeah condition he's got a clicker out there click, click, right. click, click, click. <laughs> so how 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 much of a stickler are you with your scent control then i'm assuming you're not going out there with gloves and you know trying to be scent free throwing that mineral so when you're hunting how 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 stickler do you get about it none I just hunt to win. Just hunt, just to, hunt win. to win. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I get does. Like, I'll have does that, that will pick me. You know, they'll get downwind to me. And you'll literally watch them, and they'll they'll smell, and they'll look for you. And then they'll just kind of move off. Like, they won't blow. They won't They won't try to find you. There's no – you know, I hate the, I hate the terminology of if she blows, she goes. <laughs> all that does is justify her actions. So if her yearling's standing next to her and she blows and then you blow an arrow through her, that yearling now knows that if something blows, something's about to go down. Like that was really a danger. But if you or let her blow. It, or is it teaching her a lesson not to blow? <laughs> you got to look at it both sides. I don't think you're going to scull them into it's it. Like, no. It's like when you backhanded her, like, hey. Right? <laughs> don't you run. <laughs> But no, I, I think honestly that's why I, I don't. I have any problem, guys, killing does. Kill those all you want to, whatever. I do it as a pressure thing. You almost can never kill a doe alone, and every time you kill a doe, you're educating the other deer. What that's your problem, right? That you are a threat. There's a threat there. There's danger on the farm. Whatever the case may be, we have specific spots we can shoot does, and that's where we take people to shoot does or whatever mm-hmm. um, that aren't really in core areas, but. For the most part, yeah, nine times out of ten, like, I've had does blow before. I have a doe on the farm, on that specific farm that loves to blow, but no deer pay attention to her. I mean, not a single deer. She cannot clear a field. She'll try. Shut she up, can't. Karen. <laughs> That's exactly Karen. what it is. Like, they, she'll blow, and those other deer are like, and they just start eating. Like, no one even gets, like, half the deer only pick up their heads. Like, yeah. Boy who cried like, wolf. Oh, she <laughs> yeah. She's blowing again. But yeah. I think that, you know, for me, it's just positive interaction constantly, if that makes sense. You yeah, just try to always have a positive interaction with them. And if you have a positive interaction, that scent control stuff and, and all that stuff really goes out the window because if it's a positive interaction, it's positive interaction. Right. And you really probably want them to smell you more than you don't, yeah. you know. But, again, I say I'm OCD. And when I say I'm OCD, I mean, like, I literally drive the same path to the same backup. I do the same, like – everything's same. I don't take anybody with me. Like camera guys stay in the side by side. They don't get out. You know, if we, if we go do a product shoot or something like that, it's not even on the farm. It's somewhere else. Like we won't even touch it. Like it's just super, I want to be super predictable to them as predictable as I can be. So I'm not there. It's no different than guys checking cows. You know, how many farmers have you seen that shoot deer out of tractors and stuff? That the deer lays there and freaking tractor drive by them 50 times and they don't care because it's never been a threat. (laughs) Yeah, I get it. You know, I mean, I mean, that's the kind of that's the kind of aspect I try to build with it there, and it, I don't know, man, it, I, it works. That's all I know. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. Results well, don't. Lie. I mean, at the same time, you're still playing the wind, bro. I mean, you know, absolutely. Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah, It's yeah, not yeah. like you're you're going in saying I don't care if it he's bedded over there. I'm going to let it blow right to him. He's still no, going to come. That's no, no, not no. what's going on. No, 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 not at yeah. all. No, no, no. And we're not walking over trails. I mean, everything's about access. You're in and out easy. You know, you're not walking through the funnel to get to a tree. You're not, you know, all that stuff's controlled, but like, I don't spray down. I'll run nosonics every now and then in like some of the box blinds, mm-hmm. but really that's just a, 
a lot, some of the box blinds are in some areas where deer get like within five feet of you to go around you and stuff to get out to the feed. So I just run them in there just to stay clean. Yeah. But I don't know, man. I, I don't, I don't stress on it too much. I used to put all my trail cameras in their own Ziploc bags and wear rubber gloves and literally damn, on no benefit from it. Yeah. That's, nice. that's, that's even more OCD than I've even ever I'm telling thought you, about man, my yeah. like, it's bad about it, but that's awesome though. I mean, that, if you target a specific deer, it's, you know, almost easier at that point, I guess, when you're only paying attention to what he's doing, you know, and yeah, I guess that that's a nice lesson there. But, um, before we hop off with you, I do want to ask one more question that doesn't really have anything to do with the hunt or maybe it does, but when you're talking about your mineral and and feeding all year long, obviously not during hunting season, but do you, are your feed sites and your mineral sites close to each other? Same spot, same spot. So you'll, you'll put the feed right there with the mineral. Absolutely. Yeah. I usually put the mineral lick in the middle uh-huh. and then I'll put feed around the outside. Okay. And then they'll have that dug out in the middle. It'll be like a little bowl and then we'll feed around the outside. Cause the big time, nice thing about big time is it has mineral in it, like attached to the actual feed. Mm-hmm. So you kind of get mineral out there anyway. So our mineral licks really don't get good until we stop feeding because mm-hmm. they're already getting mineral out of the feed. Right. They're really um, not pollen for anything. They Yeah. They're anything. not really pollen. But once that feed goes out in September, then they're they're like smashing those mineral licks because it's that's the only mineral they got. Do you? Uh, I, I know you said it's a five hundred acre farm, so this is going to be a different answer for a lot of people based on how yeah. big their farms are. But are you trying to have a central feed site, or are you putting multiples throughout the farm based on like uh, different winds you would like, or how are you handling that? No, so I'll put them in. Like it's all about access, like we talked about before. Like uh, you know, I talked about a two hundred acre piece of timber. Like I don't go in the heart of that at all, mm-hmm. unless we're picking up a deer. Like it just doesn't happen. So we'll stay out on the edges, easy access in and out. Um, I'm gonna bring the deer to me, right? I, I don't want to have to go to that deer really. So I'm gonna set those up. But I try to put mine strategically to where I can get different groups of bucks from, say, my neighbor's deer. Say, you know what I mean? If I've got I've got a farm. I'm going to put two on the south end, maybe one on the south end, one on the west end, one on the east end, one on the north end, right? Like mm-hmm. I'm going to just try to pull in different deer to where I can kind of tell, like if I've got four mineral licks on that farm, one east, one west, one north, one south, and I've got a buck that only hits the west one, it gives me a little bit of idea of, okay, well, I know he's somewhere on this west end of the farm, right? If I've got a buck that only hits the north one, if i got a buck that hits the north and the west, you know what I mean? I can kind of put the pieces together early in the summer yeah. to kind of know what his range is and where he comes from, and we'll pull deer. I mean, we'll literally pull deer off the farm that there may be a buck that only hits the north one mm-hmm. and doesn't hit anything else. Well, I know he's probably living on my neighbor's north or, sure. or staying up in that north end, somewhere like that. So Now, would, that's you, what I would you do that any differently if uh, it was a much smaller piece of property? Like, uh, a lot of people that we listen to and even us guys hunt smaller pieces. Yeah, probably hundred acre or less. So I would assume. But. Would that change your decision on where you would put mineral or not where, but how much, how many sites yeah. you would put in there? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like I've got a piece that I got a 40 acre piece. I only have one lake on it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've got like a hundred acre piece and I've got two lakes on it. One in the North, one in the South. It's kind of a narrow rectangle. Um, so I kind of run them like that. It's just, it's a matter of really just trying to think about, okay, where do I want to put an observation point that I can, you know, kind of make sure I've got the farm covered safely and and kind of on both ends to where I know, you know, this deer's here, this deer's here, whatever the case may be. And what you'll come to find out and you'll learn is that, man, for whatever reason, like we talked about before, there's just some deer that just won't do things. Like they just won't cross a Creek or they just won't, you know, they just have a boundary. 
and it sounds so dumb, but you may move 300 yards and pick up a deer you've never had before. Yep. Like, so you kind of got to think about that when you're spacing them out. Like I would definitely try to put a couple in, you know, especially if you've got easy access, like don't drive through your whole farm to put one on the North end. If you have to, like, if you have access from the North, then do that one there. You know what I mean? Easy access is main, is yeah. the main thing of it. But yeah, I'll try to spread them out as, you know, as, as much as I can to where I feel like the farm's covered for, I know everything that's around it or using the farm for the most part. That's cool. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Good information for sure. Well, congrats, man. man. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome hell of a deer. deer. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Awesome deer. Awesome story. I mean, awesome strategy. I mean, that's just <laughs> an out of the box strategy to get it done. Yeah. Yeah. And it can be done in Missouri. I'm telling you, like we, I mean, 500 acre farm is pretty big for us. Honestly, there's everything. Oh, it's huge done. in Missouri. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty small. I mean, 200, you know, 200 down really is everything you run. You can do it. It's just a matter of just trying to be consistent and, yeah. and trying to keep your stuff consistent with what you do. Yeah. For the most part. Uh, before I say what I'm going to say, you guys have any more questions about little left? No, I think I got it covered. Yeah, no, I think it's awesome information stuff you don't hear or think about every day. I've been waiting for uh, about 48 minutes once I heard his name to say this. Blake, ask me how it's hanging. How's it hanging? Short, shriveled, a little to the left. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> That's his name, little left. I think got, you think I that? Got, I got to start doing dad jokes. Yeah. Nate's trying oh, to take over the joke of the day. It's not even a dad joke. That's just a, hilarious. Anyway, That's I'm not great. funny. That's the, That's the problem. Okay. Yeah, well, uh, won't you uh, go ahead and take a minute and tell listeners and stuff how to see what you're doing out there. Yeah, where so. you can find your content. Yeah, yeah so Instagram is probably the, the best one. That's my main one. Uh, it's just the Blake Garrett um, on Instagram. I think uh, I got to look up TikTok. I think TikTok's the Blake Garrett 20. We do a bunch of just video stuff on it, but um, mm. just kind of throw some content there. Let me make sure this is right. That thing's so hard, in my opinion, to get content because I take down every coyote one I post. <laughs> Yeah, you can't show like impacts really good. They don't like it. You can do some thermal <laughs> stuff every now and then, but it's actually the Blake Garrett eight is what my uh, my TikTok is. But Only twelve. Yeah, off. we do that. And then yeah. I mean, you, we have hunts on YouTube. Obviously, some past year hunt stuff. If you go to Full Draw and look at their past seasons, I've got a couple shows on there every year. And then uh, Unfiltered Outdoors. Um, if you go to YouTube, we have, we have stuff on there too. Content on there and working on some predator stuff for getting ready to start that. So mm-hmm. that'll be fun. Ready for that one. We'll yeah. throw a bunch of. I'll do a bunch of recorded predator content stuff. That's usually where we yeah. have a lot of fun with it. So. Yeah, we're gonna see you at the uh, Movets Outdoor Tournament this year. I don't know. I didn't know about that. Oh, they. I don't think they've posted. They yet. haven't had we, a date and time we, yet. Yeah, we saw you there mm-hmm. last year. Yeah, I was gonna say. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Yeah, yeah. I. Uh, yeah, I think we're gonna do that. I think I'm probably gonna hit ATA too this year. I, oh, I wasn't yeah. going to, but it sounds like it's gonna be decent at least. So. That's cool. Good. Awesome. Man. Yeah. I'll do that one as well, but. Well, man, um, congratulations on an awesome Missouri deer. And then, I mean, we could have talked about the 14 other deer you've, you've taken down too, but <laughs> just three, I, the best year I've ever had. I, I got lucky. Yeah. Started off awesome. horrible, but it got good. <laughs> yeah. I had to go back through your pictures. I'm like, what freaking deer did I want to talk about? Because every damn time I see something, I'm like, there's a new one. Okay. Yeah. And I, I mean, I, I joke about 14, but because it, it felt like that, <laughs> you know, it's like, right. damn. Oh, I know. I had him on the list to, you know, have an episode with him since October 29th and yeah, keep looking through the deer <laughs> yeah. now. Yeah. Uh, yeah. My whole, so it started real quick. I'll tell you real quick. It's my season started out in Nebraska and I shot, I think probably number two, maybe number three, um, typical all time archery and didn't find him. Oh, oh no. 
coyotes got him and uh and pushed him and actually the neighbors found him and won't give it up so oh no. <laughs> so, yeah so he's like 192 inch four by four dear oh. lord uh but yeah that's what started off horrible and then you know i went dry spell until a little left i killed him on 29th and then my rifle buck was just an absolute lucky i mean i was i had a guy in from big time uh he shot a buck and i went over there to help him recover it and we're literally standing over it i look up and there's 170 inch 10 pointer i'd never seen before in my life no idea where this deer came from walking he comes to 40 yards doesn't even see us it's just walking by i'm like (laughs) Hey, let me see your gun real quick. <laughs> His gun, I literally shoot the deer. Like it was the most lucky thing I've ever done in my life. So that's awesome. I guess you got to get lucky every now and then. But yep. shot him, and then I just got I shot that deer in Kansas Monday. So and but I've been hunting him pretty hard since October. So that's well, pretty that's awesome. awesome. Well, congrats, yeah, man. Three, yeah, congrats on an awesome yeah, three year. Three that's a I haven't ever had a good year like that. That's a that's a great year. So yeah, I'm ready to shoot some coyotes. So that's I'm tired of the deer. Yeah, and it's about that time. Although it's yeah. December first, we're recording this, and it's sixty-five degrees today. So yeah, exactly. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Uh, well, Blake, we appreciate it, and um, if you don't have anything else, we're gonna we're gonna stop this one. Sounds good, bud. All right, man. Thanks. Thanks, Blake. See you guys. Yeah. Okay. Definitely new information. Never heard on that. Uh, yeah, I don't know how to put it. I guess just. Uh, outside the box thinking gets it done sometimes you can't and you can't argue with results no he he i mean he's a good hunter and he gets deer you know big deer down quite often so guy's a killer i mean check out his instagram stuff that he he tagged in there him and his crew i mean they do a lot of killing so we had we had a good year they had a phenomenal year yeah (laughs) especially this one i mean this year particularly i mean obviously we kind of follow stuff a little bit more but uh, it seems like he had a phenomenal year. I think, what do you say, he had three down this yeah, year? Yep. And, yeah, so that's good on him. So, And almost four. He should have had four. He had four. Yeah. But uh sounds like he had, didn't work out. It's yeah. still hung up in Nebraska. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, but uh, yeah, and it sounds like he's going to take over our social media for us, too. That'd be <laughs> great. If we pump those numbers up a little yeah. more. <laughs> We got we still got them rookie numbers. <laughs> uh, I like you know what sucks is like you you're like you know what I'm gonna I'm gonna try something today I'm gonna do a reel and I'm gonna I'm gonna work hard at it you know I I freaking suck at it so it takes a lot of effort and you're like I'm gonna do this reel and it gets like 47 views yep. and you're like well that was fun. that's why I don't do this. <laughs> I mean I mean you tried real hard in my coyote picture Andy has a new friend <laughs> I thought that was you short and to the point bro like see. And it was your new friend, didn't you say? I mean, I guess we're friends. <laughs> uh, so I thought it was good. More, more of acquaintances. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No longer, no longer breathing friends. I don't speak to him much anymore. <laughs> <laughs> you called, you called him once. I, I did. I called him once. Yeah. Never again. Never again. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, well, fellas, it was a good one tonight. Hope y'all enjoy it. Yep. We're hopping off. Make sure to check out Blake's stuff and give him some likes and follows if you enjoyed. I think it looks like by the looks of it, I think most people already like and follow him. So, hey, that's a good point. I haven't we haven't said this in a while. Like and follow us. Yeah, check out our Instagram, which is at Missouri Woods and Water, all spelled out. Facebook, probably the same thing. And uh, <laughs> check us out on Go Wild. Go Wild. Yep. Check us out. Uh, not check us out, but search Missouri Woods and Water on that. And if you wouldn't mind, leave us a review. Yeah. On. Uh, whatever podcasting platform you use. 
yeah, I, would, yeah. I would prefer it to be a five star, but you do whatever you want to do. And um, and most importantly, word of mouth. If you like us, share it with your friends to give tell them to give us a listen. And, and if you don't like us, share it with your friends and yeah. tell them to yeah. listen to us anyway. Like, I don't like them, but maybe you will. <laughs> Check so out these you... idiots. <laughs> Mike is a real idiot, but Nate's real smart. Yeah, okay. <laughs> okay. Love you. Well, that's it for us today, guys. <laughs> that's, that's Mike's <laughs> for the fight. Sleep for the fight breaks out here. Yeah. All right. Hey, thanks for listening, everybody.